0: I'm Darrell Baskin with eXp Realty. You're listening to The Future of Real Estate on FM 102.3 and AM 740 KRMG. My guest today, David Burkus, author of Leading From Anywhere, and actually author of like a gazillion books. How many have you authored? <laughs> Four and a half, but who's counting? Well, there are a bunch, and they actually look good. This is the only one that I've, I've been through, and I loved it, by the way, Leading From Anywhere, and I'm going to get into some of the others and find out, find out more about them. I, this is about uh, remote work. And of course, everybody's talking about it. COVID's driven that. But you have some interesting perspectives in your book. And I, I by the way, I have to personally say, this is like the primer. And I'm going to make sure every every agent, every manager that I ever come across, coming into the company, my company, um, I'm going to make sure they've read this because this this really would have saved me a lot of trouble had I read it prior to being full remote work. So just excellent <laughs> job here. So besides covid What else is fueling remote work right now, David? Yeah, well, I would say COVID accelerated a
1: a move to remote work. We were sort of two steps forward, one step back for a long time. I mean, since the 1970s, different business thinkers and even leaders of organizations have been finding ways to help people telecommute, come flexible time, all all of those arrangements. And ironically, in the open office craze of like early 2010s, a lot of people pushed back and wanted everyone together. But the the truth is, the more the power dynamic shifts from employees, uh, employers and leaders to employees and to talent, talent is going to want some sense of freedom and autonomy over the work. And there's a whole lot of research that suggests that that's better for them anyway. So if you're an organization that's looking to lead with more trust and autonomy, you're going to find that it's inevitable that you have some part of your workforce that is remote. Now, I actually like to call it work from anywhere these days because I think post-COVID where we're headed is a workforce that is at the office some of the time but way less than we were before. You don't send hundreds of millions of people to work from home for a year and then just go, all right, everybody come back to the office 40 hours a week just like it used to be. We're not going back to that. We're going to a a workplace with much more freedom and flexibility and I think a lot of people need to get prepared for that.
0: What do you think is is going to be the eventual result here? Like, I do enjoy going into an office-type environment but... Not daily. I, I mean, like that, that that can be fun for me once a week or to, to get together with some of my co cohorts, co-work cohorts. And uh, yet I'm much more productive when my environment is changing, when I don't get in a specific rut all the time. Now, relate that to what you've... Learned and, and how you're seeing these trends go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. There's uh, the office is great, people are great, but there's also a reason that Dilbert is like the number one comic strip, right? <laughs> and then that office space and the office are these are these pinnacle shows. People don't want to be in that environment forty days a week. They never did. Even even BC before Corona, there was a lot of research that showed the most engaged employees were the ones who were out of the office two to three days a week. So if I had to bet on where we were headed, I, w- I would say about that. If you think about a five day work week. Plan on two, two and a half days a week, people not wanting to be at the office. That doesn't necessarily mean they're at home once they can work from co-working spaces or coffee shops, but it means that they're going to want to come to the office for things like meetings, for things like brainstorming and problem-solving sessions, for things like company-wide bonding experiences, but they're not going to want to just do their work from a place where they can be so easily distracted like they used to be, and they're not going to want to do that thing where they pretend to be working for like 30 minutes because it's only 4.30 and they can't really leave till 5. People aren't going to be putting up with that when we all get back to the office. And in fact, I, I say we all get back Back to the office but the truth is we're not all coming back and not
0: all of the time so talk about the myth of productivity is isn't there going to be a new measure of productivity now instead of how long you're sitting in your seat <laughs> Yeah, well,
1: thankfully, I mean, I think it's to the real measures of productivity, right? There was always a sort of lazy proxy that a lot of leaders had that presence equaled productivity, right? You show up at eight, you stay till 515. I know you're a hard worker. But you know, in large organizations, ask your IT people how much bandwidth is spent on Facebook and YouTube every day. And you you prove right away that presence doesn't equal productivity. And unfortunately, during the great work from home experiment that we're all living through, uh, there's been this new proxy that responsiveness is productivity. and, And I'm not even sure that's the case, right? So whatever team you're, you're serving on, whatever team you're leading, we need to be thinking about what the small, short-term goals we can use to measure productivity are, right? If you have normally quarterly sales goals, for example, well, how do we break that up into stuff we can hold you accountable to week by week, month by month, or even two weeks? I see a lot of remote teams in that two-week sprint mentality, where at the end of every two weeks, they're circling back together, talking about what they worked on, what's blocking their progress, and what they're headed to in the next two weeks. And when you do that, that combination, of shortening the timeframes and getting everybody collaborating and talking more often, uh, you you end up having a much better sense of who the really productive people on your team are. And it's not the people who respond to your emails fastest or the people who hung out at the office the longest back in the old days.
0: Well, you're bringing up a good point, which was uh, clearly uh, discussed in your book. And that was, Interruptions And how we, we find ourselves, especially in an office environment, when you really want to get something done, where do you go? Well, it's not the office. And how often we're interrupted, which is keeping us from being productive and the management and the whole concept here leading from anywhere. How do you lead people when you're not there to be able to watch them? And some of that is is letting them do their thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's making sure that you're not micromanaging by telling them how to do it, but that you make it clear that you are available to help them figure those things out, right? That takes, usually I think, so a week a week to two weeks should be what a team is checking in on. But I feel like, especially with new employees, it's on you, it's the art of management level to know how often you need to be checking in and figuring out what are you working on today? What's blocking your progress? What can I help with? Not so much that you're interrupting, because again, the, the cost of, I think we talk about this in the book, the cost of getting somebody back to a level of focus when you ping their phone or their email with a new request for something. It's like 20 to 25 minutes, right? So every time you make those little requests, you're stealing 25 minutes of productivity from people. So you want to have it set. Hey, at the end of every day or at the end of every two or three days, we check in and that will be the catch-all for all of these requests for help. That way people can focus the rest of their hours on doing whatever actually moves the ball
0: forward. I want to reframe one thing that you said and that was that you're stealing... 20 to 25 minutes from these people. You're actually stealing it. If you're the leader, you're stealing it from yourself because that's your productivity that as a leader you're accountable for. And I I think we miss that because we kind of feel this need. I do. I'm I'm critiquing myself. From my team, I feel this need to want to be connected. And uh, I have to remind myself, leave them alone just leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The, the other thing that happens often for, for newly
1: remote leaders is we replace work from home with sort of endless zoom calls, right? We're always checking in. And, and I think it's easy to forget that the cost of a one hour zoom meeting with nine people on your team is not one hour, right? It's nine hours that you're stealing from your team and from yourself. And I think if you remember that you plan the meeting a whole lot differently with a lot more care to what we're actually going to talk about, not just people listening to me talk about stuff that, could have been an email but you're going to look to spend that time we're, we're never going to get rid of those synchronous meetings but we need to spend the time wisely
0: leading from anywhere book by david burkus david this is this is amazing i have a great uh, high high marks for it personally because it confirmed a lot of things for me and taught me a lot that i'll use going forward you can get it on amazon leading from anywhere thank you david thank you you're listening to the market expert show for the xp realty i'm daryl baskin